0: This is Head Retention, a podcast where beer makes great conversation even
1: greater. Welcome to Head Retention. My name is Roach Lachelle, as always here. Hi, Lachelle. How are you? Hi. Um, We've got uh, our second stay-at-home episode of Head Retention, and we've got Chris Burns of Old Ox Brewery. Now, look, Chris, I I think that's a background background. But I'm not sure if it's a background because when I first logged in, I was like, oh, he's doing it live from the brewery. That's awesome. But you're not. Oh,
0: It's it's totally uh, it's totally a (laughs) virtual background. Uh, You know, I can change it to whatever you want. I got some (laughs) Tiger King going on here. Got some some Bob's Burgers, Uh, whatever you want to see. I got it. No, I like
1: I I like the brewery. I I, I like the brewery. It's good. All
0: right. Good. Do it. We're going from the brewery.
1: Um, usually what we do on head retention is we have our, our in-depth conversation first and then we drink second, but I I'd like to, because we're staying at home, I I'd like to drink first if that's all right. So, uh, let's start there. I'm going to, thanks very much to Lachelle. I'm going to start with Grady. Me too. What? Yeah. Um, so (laughs) as I, uh, hang on. As I open it up, if you could, Chris, tell me about Old Ox Grady.
0: So this is a a really nice, simple American lager. So it's not going to be, you know, overly hoppy. Uh, It's going to have just a nice, clean, crisp, refreshing flavor profile to it. Maybe a little bit of floral hop note on the uh, on the nose, but uh, just something really nice and easy to drink during the warmer
1: weather. Uh, Lachelle. Crispy, crispy. Uh, Hang on. Hang on to Crispy Boys.
2: Oh, yes. You do love your Crispy Boys. This is a
1: Crispy Boy drink, isn't it?
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: So to Crispy Boys and I am drinking out of my old ox glass. So we are we are good. You guys are are branded. I love it. Well, we are. We are.
2: I even have my Old Ox t-shirt on.
1: What are you drinking?
2: Old Ox is my happy place.
1: (laughs) What are you drinking, Lachelle?
2: Well, because I was wearing Old Ox is my happy place, I went with an Alpha Ox, which the description is bright and citrusy, much like myself.
0: (laughs) And do you find it to be bright and
2: citrusy? I do. Oh, good.
1: I will tell you, this this Grady is exactly what I love. Exactly why I'm a crispy boy, because it's it's just a just a good drinking beer and it's uh, it's very tasty. And I look forward to summer times playing cornhole, uh, eating a grilled hot dog, drinking uh, a Grady along with it. That's what I hope.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to being able to do that from uh, less than six feet away. You know, exactly. uh, See how it goes. But uh, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Exactly. So let's um. Let's start there because, again, we're going to keep it um, not light, but we're going to we're going to talk more the the nuts and bolts of beer as if there were this were a regular episode with obviously the 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 shadow of coronavirus over everything. Then in the second segment, we'll get into like the the serious stuff and the the kind of the difficult conversation of what happens to the craft brewery industry uh, after this all ends and what's going on with it now. So let's start. Chris, with beer, did you guys have this ready to go and were already brewing it before this hit? Or was this brewed during coronavirus uh, for this? Was it on the schedule? Walk me through the timeline with coronavirus uh, as the overlying thing on this particular beer.
0: Sure. So this was planned pre-COVID-19. It's a, it's a lager, so it, it requires an extended uh, aging period. So this is about an eight-week turn beer. Uh, so if we think about where we were eight weeks ago, you know, maybe we saw uh, a crisis on the horizon, but it certainly wasn't reality quite yet, even though it feels like it, it, it's it been, you know, forever since uh, life was normal. Um, but this was uh, this was always part of the, the summer plan for Old Ox Brewery. Uh, we've been trying to get to a place where we can have a logger on tap at all times. And this was step one towards achieving that goal. So we were going to go from Grady in the, in the early springtime and roll right into Hardway summer lager, which is one of our seasonal products. And then we were going to roll from that right into October uh, for the, you know, early fall. And then who knows where we're going to go from there? But our our plan was to have a logger on at all times because we're we're definitely seeing a return to, uh, to to for you know kind of the heyday of the logger drinker, and I'm really excited for it.
1: Me too. Amen to that. Um, why do we think that that is where things are going?
0: Well, you know, I I think that there it's almost a, a return to normalcy, if you will. I think. Um, We've, we've spent a long time, the last decade, uh, kind of exploring the outer limits of what what beer can be, uh, especially with, with our, our craft beer community. And I don't see that stopping. I think there's always going to be an opportunity to push boundaries and experiment. But I think what's happening is a lot of people are saying, okay, I, I really want to try all of that Um Whatever the, the next thing is, New England IPAs, maybe it's uh, sour IPAs, maybe it's fruit bombs, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, maybe I just want to relax with a nice lager that uh, I don't have to think about. I can just enjoy and, and have as a background beverage while I'm talking to friends and, or eating dinner.
1: Lachelle, what are you, is that what you're feeling, too, uh, uh, based on your extensive experience hanging out in bars and brewers? <laughs>
2: Yes, maybe, I guess, yes, I liked Chris's um, description of uh, something you can drink while you're talking, so maybe you can still carry on a conversation and not make a complete donkey of yourself when you're drinking some of these lagers.
1: Yeah, and and to me, that's, I'll echo just what Chris said, because I totally agree with it. There's a place for all of the things that we've been doing over the last 10 years, IPAs included, but I would like... For our, our pilsners, our, our lagers, our pale ales even to be the norm. And then we the branch off is the IPAs and then all of the other stuff that we mentioned – Rather than the reverse, and it was, it was always surprising when there was a lager on tap at your local craft brewery. I, want, I would love for us to get back to where you're saying, which is we've got our line of, of, of easy-drinking beers, and then based on that, we go into different directions and get a little fun and have a little craziness going on.
0: Absolutely. It's like a little security blanket, you know, I mean, yeah, go, go have fun, experiment, uh, be free, but, uh, but it's always there for you. So you come on back whenever you need uh, kind of a reality check.
1: So the last time that I talked to you, Chris, we were at your Middleburg location and we'll talk about the the new location and the challenges, if any, that you guys, well, I'm sure everybody's facing challenges uh, due to COVID-19. But when we had our conversation, you talked about you guys had secured a huge deal to be the official, uh, have the official beer of the Cherry Blossom Festival. Cherry Blossom Festival did not happen. Correct. (laughs) Kicking the nuts, obviously, but. That one hurt. And that's, this is going to be a hurtful question. What happens now to the beer that you brewed for the festival that didn't happen?
0: Well, um, the fact that the festival didn't happen, um, you know, that, that is an incredible bummer yes. uh, to put it lightly. And we feel for the organizers themselves. Um, and we feel for the millions of people that wanted to go see the, the cherry blossoms like we do every year. It's something that is basically, you know, the, the symbol that spring has come and we're getting ready for the warm weather and vacation season and, uh you know, it's it's one of the things that's that's really unique to Washington D.C. and, and we love it every year. And um, the fact how that how long it have been, you guys
2: been making this beer for the for the cherry blossom? This is not this has this been is, an ongoing thing, right?
0: Yeah, this is year number three for kind of mass production of this mass production. We're you know we're <laughs> a little blurry, but, uh, but you know for for it being available in Northern Virginia and Washington D.C. This is year three, so. Um, and it's been an amazing partnership and we've loved every minute of it, you know, but, but the thing is, is that even though people couldn't get to the festival and maybe especially because they couldn't get to the festival, we are seeing, uh, you know, an uptick in, you know, retail sales of, you know, the, the canned product. I mean, I, I hope that we get to a point where the, the beer itself is, um, you know, something that, that. There it is yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that, uh, that uh, the, the beer itself is something that people look forward to come springtime, just as much as they uh, look forward to the festival. Um, so it's doing, it's still doing really well at retail. And I, and I really think it is because people are looking for, you know, something relatable for, for this time of year.
1: It's a beautiful can. And I told you that uh, when we talked Thank in person, um, the the pink pops and obviously it works perfectly with the cherry blossom uh, and their whole theme and it's it's um it's I don't want to say it's unlike all of your other cans because it feels like you're moving away as far as the branding is concerned from a, a consistent brand to more of a uh, and tell me if I'm wrong on this more of a a a beer specific branding rather than a brewery specific branding is that an accurate statement?
0: Yeah, we've certainly been playing with that uh, a lot recently and trying to trying to create a unique identity for for each each beer that we that we make. You know, there, every beer has its place. Every beer has its mood. Uh, every beer has its reason for existence. And that may or may not, you know, exist uh, in a plane right next to the other beers that we produce. And we think that's okay. Um, they appeal to different consumers. So we need to make the artwork and can design reflect that, that consumer.
1: Lachelle, what do you got?
2: What do I have? So I don't... I just want to say one more thing about being kicked in the nuts, but so not only was the cherry blossom a kick in the nuts, but also the Washington nationals, you know, old ox has been on tap at Nats ballpark for quite some time. How did that affect you and your production?
0: Yeah. So we're in, uh, we were in full on ramp up for that, uh, spring, uh, beer season to include entertainment venues specifically nats park who's always been an amazing partner uh with with old ox and uh and getting you know that news uh that uh mlb was uh, canceling the season um yeah that uh, created some uh vomituous feelings Ooh, good uh, word. you know but um what are you going to do? We're, um, we're, we're doing our best to, to shift gears and stay relevant in other ways. And uh, it's, it's not an old ox problem. It's a, it's a hospitality industry problem. And um, we're all doing everything we can to kind of shift gears and stay relevant in our consumers' lives.
2: Well, so let's talk about that because one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on today is because I wanted to talk about what that has looked like for Old Docs like how Old Ox has shifted gears. Right. And I'm going to start by my new favorite thing, my O-B-Safe <laughs> sanitizer, which cute name by the way, O-O-B-Safe for Old Ox, Get it? Oh, thank so you. awesome. So I have one in my handbag, I have one in my car, and I have one at the office. Um, how long did it take to make, like what, how did you make this?
0: So we actually followed an open source recipe from the World Health Organization. So they have on their website uh, a recipe for anyone to, to make hand sanitizer, and it's three simple ingredients. Uh, and it's, it's alcohol, so it's either ethanol or uh, isopropyl alcohol. We're using isopropyl alcohol, uh, hydrogen peroxide, and uh, glycerol. And the glycerol is a thickening agent. The uh, hydrogen peroxide is to sanitize the sanitizer, if you can believe it. And uh, the alcohol is your, you know, your, your sanitary base. So um, it took us about four weeks to go from concept to first production run. Oh, and nice. that's, that's a pretty quick turn for something that requires government approval to make. And we're really excited uh, that the federal government and the state government has uh, expedited uh, you know, approval processes, kind of cut some red tape uh, to allow folks like us, breweries, distilleries, to produce this hand sanitizer so that we can get product out to the, the people that need it uh, because it is a, it, it's in high demand right now. It's hard to get a hold of. So the more people that can produce it, the better off we're going to be.
1: I, um, here a question about planning. This was a, you, you put out this sanitizer. You said it was going to be a four week process. At what point in the stay at home order did you guys decide, okay, it's going to take four weeks. Cause I'm sure day two, you were probably like, well, this is, it's only for two weeks Knowing that was probably going to be longer, but not knowing how much longer it was going to be. At what point did you guys say, OK, the four week timeline is still going to be well within the timeline where we can actually produce these and put them and get them out to market?
0: Yeah, we um, so we, we didn't make that decision all at once. It was very iterative you know, we, the first thing we did is we got enough ingredients to do uh, a small batch, you know, no more than, you know, 200 four ounce bottles, just to make sure we understood the process and that we understood the demand. Um, and so we, we released that to the public three weeks ago uh, and it sold out in an hour. So it, 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 it was a, a good proof of concept yeah. to know that there really was demand there. And then we had a really good partner who I, uh, I won't name, but it was a, a, a grocery chain that um, said, okay, if you can make this and you can make this in X quantity, we'll purchase all of it so that, you know, we can keep our employees safe during this time. They weren't buying it for retail sales sales. They were buying it, uh, just to for their employees to use in, in their stores, and that made it a really easy decision for us because we knew that we had a purchase order in hand for an entire batch of hand sanitizer, um, and it, it it took the pressure off so that we could we could do this in a in a, a safe space, if you will, and then you know. That coupled with the initial pilot batch uh, for public consumption, really gave us confidence that this is something that we could produce in larger quantities and um as you know that combined with the news of well we're not going to be opening up anytime soon um, you know allowed us to do two more batches after that, so we keep our production runs relatively small, uh but we do them relatively frequently also. So we're trying, it's a delicate balance always with beer and hand sanitizer is, you know, how much should you produce at any given time? And, you know, how, how far do you have to go to both satisfy demand, but also not overrun and and produce too much? I mean, we're, we're used to that balancing act.
1: Um, I want to, we pivoted to the COVID-19 stuff. Yeah. I use that word on purpose. Because I feel like in the next segment we're taking we're going to take our break here, but in the next segment the the two key words are going to be pivot and nimble in this conversation. And Chris just gave us a uh, an example of how being nimble and but also being thoughtful about how quickly you're moving is very very important in what we're going on, what's going on right now. And we're going to talk about the craft brewery industry. We're going to talk about small brewers. We're going to talk about brewers on a, on a bit of a bigger scale, uh, maybe even regional brewers. And we're going to do that in the next segment with Chris Burns of Old Ox Brewery. and we'll talk to him next couple of places where you can get even more roach in your podcast form, not just now during your stay-at-home situation, but even when we're back out and going about our day in a normal way in our cars, podcasts are great. You should listen to mine. I have a Pearl Jam podcast that is all about the band Pearl Jam. It is called Jamily Matters. You can check that out. And a lifestyle podcast called The Sphere of Roach, just things that interest me outside of beer and Pearl Jam and soccer. I put in this podcast, it's called The Sphere of Roach. Latest episode of that features a conversation with myself and Brent Smith of Down. So, yes, there are other things you can do to pass the time away in podcast form. Jamily Matters, Sphere of Roach. My soccer podcast is called Pitch Pass. All of them are available through the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Now, let's get back to our beer talk. Welcome back to Head Retention. Roach Lachelle, we're joined by Chris Burns of Old Ox Brewery. Uh, they are in, they have two locations, and I think this is where we're going to start. They have two locations. Uh, Ashburn is the uh, the main one if you are a DMV resident you probably know Old Ox from their Ashburn location. They have recently opened up a second location in Middleburg at the at the foot of the Shenandoah. Is that is that a good way to say it, Chris?
0: Oh yeah, it's a magical <laughs> little uh, town, uh, right uh, as a, the gateway to uh, beautiful Shenandoah, Virginia. Absolutely.
1: So they just opened that up about a year ago, and um, so this is a perfect thing to talk about. We had Chris on for a number of reasons. This is one of them, and this is where we'll start our COVID-19 conversation as it pertains to the craft brewing industry. We said this in the last episode, and I'm going to say it again. Lachelle, if you want to come in and, and on top of me and, and, and kind of reiterate it, that's fine. But we're going to have a very business-like conversation, and it's, it's going to feel a little cold, but know that our thoughts, our good vibes are with all of our craft brewers and on a bigger level, all of our small business owners and all the business owners and everybody here throughout the country. As we deal with this, it's just where this is a podcast about beer. So we're going to focus on craft brewing. And even though we talk about this in terms of, yeah, 45 percent of brewers are going to close. We don't mean to be as cold as it's coming across. Know that you are not in our thoughts, you are at the forefront of our thoughts, and we hope that everybody can get through this as as cleanly as safely and as prosperously as possible. now, having said that, let's start the conversation chris you have a You have a business that is or a branch of your business that's less than a year old, a second tap room, a second uh auxiliary kind of brewery that is just getting up and running. How is all this affected? And or how much has this affected uh, that part of the business?
0: Well, it's not good, Roach. It's uh, it's not good. So, <laughs> um, but uh, look, we're doing our best, right? So it is what it is. We're um, if you think about when this hit, um, Middleburg. So if we're going to talk about Middleburg, the Middleburg opened in July of last year, and uh, so we had about. Five months there where we're kind of ramping up and getting people used to the location, kind of building awareness there. And then we hit the typical January, February, you know, slump for hospitality. And, you know, that happens because especially for beer, people set New Year's resolutions. They've just finished their host- their uh, holiday spending. Uh, it's when people generally kind of shut down. So you go into January, February, knowing that those are going to be really lean months and you count on the, the spring. And, and we specifically were counting on the spring as kind of our Middleburg coming out party where, you know, people could enjoy the amazing patio that we have out there uh, and, and, and really use it as a time for Old Ox Middleburg to really start firing on all cylinders. And then COVID nineteen hits right as we've come out of that lean period where we're using every drop of cash flow and and reserves that we've that we have um, just to, to get through the uh, the winter months, which is typical, and uh, and we're not rebuilding those coffers with uh, with the typical big spring, which is what you see in in the brewing industry, especially in tasting rooms. So the timing. It couldn't have been much worse. It couldn't have been much worse for, uh, and, and that's, again, that's not an old ox thing. That's just kind of a hospitality thing in Northern Virginia. Um, so it, it, the, the timing was not good at all. That being said, the town of Middleburg has been so supportive of us during this, this time we actually closed the Middleburg location for, about two weeks as we tried to figure out how the heck we were going to get through this and kind of come up with a plan for ourselves. And um, during that time, the town of Middleburg actually came out with its own local stimulus package where it um, made contracts with with each of the restaurants in town, uh, including us uh, and purchased vouchers, food vouchers for every single resident in the town of Middleburg. And mailed them out to the town residents, paid the restaurants in advance so that they could retain their employees and stay open and and made those vouchers expire. Uh, So they issued them on April one and made those vouchers expire on April uh, 30th so that. Um, any, anyone that didn't redeem their vouchers, all of that went directly back to the, to the restaurants. Wow. Wow. So they, they basically injected cash into all of their local hospitality businesses so that they could survive through this crisis. And then they re-upped it in May. They just announced this past week that they're doing the exact same program in May, uh, which is going to, it's going to keep the hospitality business in Middleburg, operational and functional maybe not thriving but at least functional for this two-month period until we get back to some semblance of normalcy and i hope that other municipalities in northern virginia and across the united states can use that as an example of how to uh, to really help the the folks that are most impacted by by this crisis that's it's fantastic cool.
2: here's to middleburg yeah. that's awesome i know where i'm going for uh, sunday brunch whenever we're allowed to go out again well, isn't Not that yet. isn't that
1: the thing, though, Lachelle, Where you hear stories like this, and then you think to yourself, "Okay, I'm I'm going to Middleburg because they are invested in their community, and they're and and so when when I can get out, that's one of the places where I want to go because you you see what they're doing to help their people, and I, these are the stories that I write down and I file away f- for later. Um,
2: oh, absolutely! No, I'm I'm going. That's going to be one of my first stops. Like, that's an amazing story. I want to support Middleburg in that. Um, good for them
1: so chris on a uh, as a as a basically you are a for that location you are the 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 local corner brewery have you found that the, the good thing about where you are in middleburg is it's extremely walkable so are you are you still sure. getting curbside pickup business from from the locals who are saying I, I want beer i want to support the local brewery that i can walk to uh, we're swinging by there. We're picking up some stuff to go.
0: Hundred percent. the The local Middleburg community has been incredibly supportive. They're 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 a very tight knit community in general, and they are rallying behind not just us but all of their local businesses. Um, they're they're spending their hard earned money locally, um, and it, it's just the way they live. I mean, that, that wasn't. That's not something that's been brought on by uh, this crisis. I mean, this, this has always been a tight-knit community, and it's one of the things that, that drew us to Middleburg in the first place. Um, they've taken care of us, and, and we can't wait to uh, return the favor.
1: That's that's awesome. awesome.
2: Okay, can we talk about delivery? I mean, Old Glass has done a great job with um, curbside pickup. You can order online. Right. And you get very great customer service when you go pick it up. I experienced it myself last week. They bring it out to your car. Very personable. It's great. But Thank what you. I am thoroughly impressed with is how old ox has pivoted and taken advantage of delivery services. Yeah. So do you want to talk about what you've done that no one else is? I'd has love believed?
0: to. Um. <laughs> yeah. So, well, the thing that a lot of people are doing is curbside pickup and delivery. I, I you know, I think that as we've, it, it's, it's, it's this really unique time and in, in hospitality in general, where, you know, we're all very, we're all very customer focused and we thrive on being able to, to bring people together. And then all of a sudden we can't, right? So um, a, a lot of businesses, most hospitality businesses have done a really good job of um, changing their business models, going to curbside pickups, whether you're a restaurant, whether you're a winery, whether you're a brewery, and, and, and also incorporating delivery. So the complication with that is that, well, okay, so you're, you're doing that too, but you're one of about 2,500 options that people have just in their, their own community so how do, you, how do you stay relevant? How do you stick out? And I think every business needs to be thinking in those terms. Um, so one of the things that we've done is we've started, uh, it sounds silly, but um, we've started uh, doing beer deliveries uh, with a, an inflatable dancing shark, right? So we've got um, we've got a person, my son, actually, my 13-year-old son, who goes out on beer deliveries with me. Dressed in this, uh, you know, inflatable shark Halloween costume, and and does a dance to uh, to Baby Shark as I'll you know deliver your beer for you, and it's amazing how that that simple kind of three minute transaction is a, kind of a cool distraction from just your normal quarantine life and uh, it brings a lot of smiles to people's faces well, Chris,
1: it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard and <laughs> and yet I love it and here's and this is this is the thing so I get a pizza delivered the The guy comes up, he puts it on the on the on the step, he rings the doorbell, he walks away. yep, I got a pizza delivered. yep, I order beer. the baby shark music fires up. <laughs> Everybody starts looking around like, what the? You walk out. There's a shark dancing. You set the beer down. I have not seen or talked to anybody but my family in the last five weeks. And here comes this whole song and dance. And I'm like, you know what? Thank you. (laughs) And then the other thing is, all of my neighbors are like, what the F's going on? Oh, he's getting a beer delivery. I want one of those cool beer delivery things, too. And now your neighbor is calling up to get the same baby shark delivery as well.
0: It, that is uh, absolutely accurate. That is uh, <laughs> that is what's happening. You're, um, you know, you're seeing your neighbors kind of peek out exactly from their, their their shades going. What's,
1: what's, going, what's on? going on out there? <laughs> you know.
0: And, um, and it's, you're right. It is stupid. <laughs> Fine, it's stupid. I'll admit it. But, uh, but we're bringing smiles to exactly. people's faces. And that's, that's all we're trying to do. And uh, maybe deliver a little beer at the same time.
1: So let
2: me well, ask. And you've expanded on it, though, because like those neighbors who are peeking out their window, when you initially started it, you've now taken it to include like a, an in-home block party where everyone's in their own space. Yeah, right. But, but tell us what you've done to incorporate the whole neighborhood with your beer delivery.
0: Yeah, so what we started doing is um, we, we, we took that initial experience and we, we saw that it was bringing people, together is the wrong word, but, but bringing people out and in out their own spaces. Yeah. And we're like, okay, well, how can we build on that? How can we enhance that? And so what we've done is we started partnering with local musicians to do curbside serenades uh, wow. with, uh, with beer deliveries as well. So we can customize that to meet uh, people's uh, needs. So, you know, we can do a single song, uh, which is no problem. And then we can do coordinated deliveries that, uh, you know, if you want to talk to your entire neighborhood about doing a group beer buy, we'll have a local musician come out in your cul-de-sac or street and, you know, do a, a live concert for 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, and, and that's been just it's been so gratifying to see. I mean, the, you know, you get people that when they come out of their houses or, you know, they're so tense and, you know, they, then all of a sudden the music starts, they uh, maybe they crack a beer, maybe they don't. And uh, it just all kind of melts away for a minute and, and people, again they just they smile and relax and it's almost like old times
1: and you're watching it from your steps so you're you're being safe and it's Absolutely. Yeah, it's fantastic. Now I'm going to bring the business in to make it all boring and stale again, but I look at all this and I you know, we've had beer delivery here in Maryland and I've talked to some people and they're like, "Oh, this this should be the new norm when when we're back, we should we should these laws should be relaxed we, we we've shown that we can do beer delivery and we can i don't know if you want to be in the beer delivery business long term is that is that a weird thing to say chris
0: no i don't think it's a weird thing to say at all i i you know i don't want to I, you're absolutely right that if i am going to somebody's house in, you know, we'll, we'll keep it in Northern Virginia for a second. If, if I have to deliver, you know, a case of beer to somebody's house in Reston, and then I have to go to somebody's house in mm-hmm. Arlington, and then I have to come all the way back and deliver a, a, a case of beer to somebody's house in Leesburg, no, I don't want to be in that business forever. Yep, um, But I do think that what we've learned through this is that, you know, maybe there is uh, a niche for us in maybe – more consolidated neighborhood block parties. I mean, people want to hang out in their neighborhoods. If there's a way for us to create packages around uh, mobile block parties, then absolutely. We'd love to do that. Yeah. But, uh, but as it stands right now, no, I don't want to get into a Domino's style beer delivery uh, situation. It doesn't make sense.
1: It doesn't make sense. And, and my thing was you brought up that your example was perfect, but uh, my thing was too, I, I don't want to have delivery guys driving beer at nine o'clock at night in neighborhoods. It's, it's to me, that doesn't feel safe. And there's a huge liability issues that I don't want to be a part of.
0: Yeah, It's uh, th- there's a whole bunch of complexities and I agree with you completely. It's a, I don't see it as a, a long-term sustainable, uh, business model. Uh, we're happy to be a part of it, uh, during this uh, time of crisis, but, uh, I can't wait to get people back in the tasting room. I got to tell you.
1: So I want to talk about the tasting room, uh, but Lashelle, I'm I'm going to see to her for for there's back end stuff that I I am curious about that I don't have the knowledge to ask about. So I'm gonna cool. I'm gonna put it to Lashelle about back room stuff and 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 how the brewers are dealing with this this weird time we're living in.
2: Yes, and I, and I do want to talk about that, but there, I feel like Chris is like holding all the good stuff. You know, like he's not. Um, He's not sharing with us all the fun things that you can get from Old Ox when you have beer delivered or for curbside pickup. <laughs> like, for instance, Chris Burns. You can put in your delivery cart when you go to checkout online at Old Ox. You can put in to see a Chris Burns tattoo for $1,000. Is that true? <laughs> $1,000.
0: That's <laughs> absolutely accurate. I have, uh, I have an embarrassing tattoo that nobody outside of my immediate family has seen. And they wish they hadn't seen it. Um, but for one thousand dollars, I will show you my tattoo.
2: Have you had any takers for that?
0: Uh, shockingly, no. No, we have not. Uh, I, I'm surprised, personally. I'm surprised yeah. nobody's pooled their money together just to get a get get a look at it. I, you know.
2: All right. So but I wouldn't
0: want to see it either. So you know. You know.
2: Well, and then also, if for $10, we can shotgun a beer with you.
0: Now that we have, uh, we have received quite a few uh, takers on shotgun a beer with Chris. And, um, you know, I I limit it to no more than uh, four a day just for my, (laughs) the the health of my liver. And uh, there's been days where I've I've hit my limit. So yeah, people are definitely taking advantage of the shotgun a beer with Chris promotion.
2: I think that's awesome. And then I've also saw on a website where you can name an Old Ox beer as part of the experience.
0: Yeah.
2: So I did Roach doesn't even know, but I got that for Roach. So Roach what? is going to be able to name a future what? Old Ox beer. Are you kidding? No, I did for it for <laughs> you
0: that's great that's, uh, that's just amazing Thank i can't you. wait for that and i you know i can't even imagine uh the direction we're going uh here but uh i'm looking forward to finding out
2: all right it was i'm, just, I'm it in was so hard for me to pick like i went online to order my beer and i'm like do i want the tattoo yes do i want a shotgun yes. Do I want to name a beer? yes i wanted to put it all in my cart
1: this uh this is this is fantastic and and chris give us the website because now i'm sure there are people listening going oh i i want to i want to put something together
0: uh, yeah, well, um, you, can, uh, you can go right on our website, oldoxbury.com, and uh, you can find uh, options for shotgunning, for uh, tattoo reveals, for um, <laughs> uh, live local musicians. Uh, you can get
2: board games delivered, like you're talking about bringing your family together. You've partnered with a local commu- uh, business to offer board games as well, right?
0: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, so we've got, we're working with uh, Huzzah Hobbies, uh, and they'll uh, they'll deliver you like Settlers of Catan oh, and some yeah. other really cool uh, board games, uh, along with the, with the beer delivery. So, so I mean, I, what more could you ask for?
1: I mean, look,
2: nothing. I love it. We
1: we talked about pivot and nimble, and this is a perfect example of this. And it's a great idea if you are a brewery. This is this is what you need to do during this time because. You could either sit on your hands and literally sit on your beer and watch it go bad in your tanks, or you can go, I need to sell my beer. How am I going to sell my beer and let the – turn on the the brain flow? And whatever comes out, have a brainstorm session, and and if if it sounds dumb, don't dismiss it because it could be genius because dumb is genius sometimes.
0: Well, yeah, I I mean – look, they always say necessity is the mother of invention, right? Well, uh, fear, fear (laughs) of, uh, of your, of your business going, uh, tits up, if you will, is, uh, is a really good motivator for, uh, kind of innovation and, uh, you know, ingenuity. So, you know, maybe, maybe if this crisis wouldn't have happened, then we wouldn't be thinking in these terms, but, uh, I, I, if if there's one positive to take out of this is it's really has provided an opportunity for us to think about what's important. uh, What's important for our customers, what's important for our employees, uh, what's important for us as a business, what's important for us personally. And I I think all of us are thinking in those terms now. And uh, apparently Showing my tattoo is important. Well,
1: Newton Newton during uh, the Black Plague came up with calculus. Chris Burns during COVID-19 comes up with tattoo reveals. So, I mean, genius manifests itself in different ways, Chris. That's what happens.
0: Oh, you know, (laughs) I think that's the first time tattoo and genius have uh, been mentioned in the same statement. But, you know, I'll take it. That
1: that tattoo specifically, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I I think they're going to be so disappointed when they see it.
2: But I think it's really funny that your wife hasn't like taken um, another aspect of that and has and hasn't presented herself with an opportunity to disclose the location of your tattoo and what it is for. I don't know a less expensive price. I, I won't. Maybe I'll just call Kristen and just ask her myself. Yeah,
0: say, <laughs> I'm sure she would say, "Forget it. I'll I'll will send you a picture of his tattoo for 250 <laughs> yeah. bucks." She's entrepreneurial too. <laughs>
2: All right. So I think as we talk about what you're doing currently, I want to hear what you think our future is going to look like in this unknown, uncertain environment. But I've already gone through my second year, so we're going to take a quick two minutes so I can pour through. No,
1: we're not taking a quick two minutes. By the way, Michelle, <laughs> you were supposed to ask about backroom stuff, and then you went to that way. <laughs>
2: Back so, but before I could worry about back room, I had to worry about my current room and get my beer.
1: All right. You you get your beer together, and I've got a question for Chris uh, that you, I can ask him while you get your situation all together. Um, all right. What you got? I, I, I touched on this as far as the home delivery is concerned, but I, I'm curious. You mentioned it uh, as, a, as it pertains to Middleburg. There was a lot of red tape to do things. Pre-COVID-19. Right. A lot of that red tape has been dispensed with, and I know these are emergency times, but when we're on the other side of this, let's say 18 months from now, vaccine is out, and we are back to wherever the normal is at that point, how much of this red tape is going to come back, and how much of this red tape have we seen on your side as a consumer and on the government side and your side as a business owner, have we seen this red tape wasn't really necessary. We don't need to put all that red tape back in play. What kind of changes are we going to see as far as the lack of red tape or the reimplementation, implementation of red tape when this is all over?
0: Well, as it stands right now, uh, every privilege that we've been afforded during this time of crisis is 100 percent temporary. Um, So when you look at things like curbside delivery, curbside or excuse me, curbside pickup, let's call it curbside pickup. So uh, we have the ability now to to carry beer, a case of beer out of our tasting room and put it in your car. And, and, you know, that's a that's 20 feet right between our front door and somebody's car. We don't have that privilege uh, on on any other given day. If you've, oh, been, this time of
1: if you've been to any brewery ever, there is a sign somewhere. It's either hanging on the gate, yeah. hanging on the door, on the patio that says no alcohol beyond this point.
0: Right. Um, so whether it's curbside uh, pickup, whether it's home delivery, uh, whether it's the production of hand sanitizer, uh, all of these privileges that we've been afforded are, at, at as of today, they will be retracted as soon as this crisis is over. And, and in Virginia, where we do business, uh, as soon as executive order 51 or executive order 53 is, uh, is lifted, whichever happens first, all of these privileges go away. Uh, That's been built into uh, the temporary uh, regulatory relief. So you know, I, I hope that we have an opportunity to revisit that. I understand why uh, those, those uh, stipulations, those guardrails would have been put in place when the crisis started. Uh, but I hope that we have an opportunity to work with regulators between now uh, and before those expire to say, okay, we see how this is working. Do we have a problem with this? And yeah. you know, can we in some capacity move forward with these privileges? Is there a reason not to do it? Um, so as of right now, I I don't see uh, a specific way forward for uh, keeping these privileges in place. Uh, but I am optimistic that we will find a path forward.
1: Yeah, we have a we have a this is a conversation starter. When we go to legislate this down the road, we have right. we have Back to your point, we have a proof of concept that this is something that we can do and we can do in a in a in a reasonable and safe way uh that's not wild, wild west. That's right. All right, Lachelle, are you ready? I mean, I'm I'm uh, uh, I'm the back end questions I, I'm just I'm I'm dying to hear them and yet you keep kicking it down the road.
2: Okay, no, I'm ready. So we talked about being able to Well, hang like- on,
1: what did you open up?
2: Oh, a rye porter. It's delicious. The black ox. Oh. Uh, I've got one of those too. What? It's
1: like he's got every beer there or something. That's I too. I'm very well stocked.
2: <laughs> this porter is delicious. Um, I think some sometimes people don't really like rye beers, but the rye in this porter, it adds just enough spice without being overwhelming and it provides a depth to the porter that you wouldn't really expect. It's great.
0: We we love it. That's our actually our most award winning beer. It's uh it it is uh, delicious.
2: I have to say, I think this is my first time having it. If I'm being honest,
1: and
0: you should always be honest. And um, you know, I don't don't think any less of you for being (laughs) first time about it. Well,
2: and for it being your most award winning beer, and I've never had it till today. I mean, this might be my new Old Ox go to. This is delicious. Oh my, it's really good. I'm impressed. Thank you. All right. So speaking of the back end and kind of the future and what we're going to and what this is going to look like, what do you think is going to happen in our in our tasting rooms? Like, what do you think might be like our new business as normal? Do you think we're going to be able to belly up to the bar? Do you think we're going to be able to use our fancy glassware? Do you think we're going to be able to gather in groups? What do you think we need to do in order to show the those making those decisions about reopening? that we are capable of doing this and we can do it in a safe way?
0: Oh my gosh. That is the question, isn't it? I mean, and I I wish I, I wish I had this concrete answer that, um, that I was like, okay, it's going to take this and this and this, uh, but I don't. Um, so, you know, here, here's what I think. I, I definitely think that um, we'll see kind of a phased approach to reopening uh, public places in general and uh, brewery and restaurants specifically. Um, <clears throat> we'll, uh, we'll probably see some pretty restrictive caps on people that you can have gathering in a specific place um, for a somewhat extended period of time. I would I would think that that would graduate over time to additional people. Um, the, I guess the the good news is is that Virginia is not the first one to act. so I'm hopeful that Virginia will be able to take a look at what other states are doing and seeing how uh, their policies are impacting um, you know, levels of of infection, um, and, and make an informed decision based on, um, other people's experience. Um, but you know, for, for, from a planning perspective, what I can tell you is that we are not planning to be open to the public for the remainder of 2020. So, you know, yeah, well, you have to, right? You have to figure out what your doomsday scenario is. And yep. I'll be pleasantly surprised. I'll be pleasantly surprised if if we can get to some level of public access before the end of 2020. But I, I'm not going to count on it. Yeah. I'll tell you that. And I hope that's crazy. I hope that we're, I hope that's crazy in the most pessimistic way. But um, you know, if it's not, at least we'll be prepared.
1: You sit on a number of boards, um, Lachelle speculated in the last episode of head retention 35 to 40 percent of of our local breweries probably won't survive this is is that a is that an accurate number or is that a ballpark number that you're working under as well
0: i have no idea um but i i've heard i've heard that number as a low-end number which scares me for sure um you know there's um there's so many different kinds of breweries, right? I mean, there's, um, there's small in town breweries uh, like ourselves in Middleburg, you know, they're, that are completely tasting room focused. And then you've got destination breweries like uh, your farm breweries yep. that um, are incredibly dependent on not just daily visitors to come see their uh, bucolic views and uh, delicious beers, but also event based um, revenue like weddings and things like that. And um, I think those businesses are definitely going to feel even more of the pain than um, maybe your uh, distribution breweries, smaller distribution breweries like ourselves that, uh, yes, we absolutely count on tasting room revenue and, and visitors to our, uh, our locations but at least we have a secondary revenue stream through uh, uh, packaged package product and in, in grocery chains and independent stores. Um, so at least not all of our revenue streams have, have dried up. Um, so, you know, I, are 35% going to close? I hope not. I really hope not. I mean, but I don't know.
1: It's interesting, uh-huh. you, it's interesting you say that because I, in the last episode, I specifically shouted out a farm brewery saying that they might be better off because when we do reopen, it's going to be outdoor stuff only at the beginning. Uh, and those breweries with their, their land expanse probably have a little bit of an advantage. But, and to your point, they've got to get to the point where we reopen financially before they can right. start thinking about, well, we don't have to worry about social distancing. We've got acres and acres of land. But if they don't make it to the reopening, then it's a moot point anyway.
0: Yeah, it, dep- it depends entirely on when that reopening point is, right? I mean, I think most healthy businesses can probably withstand a crisis for, you know, a month. Yeah. Maybe two months, maybe a quarter. But when you start talking about six months or more of severe, uh, con- you know, severe consequences as far as being able to gather. Um, I mean, even the most healthy of of hospitality businesses, uh, it's going to be really tough to make it. So I don't know.
1: Lachelle, you talked about in the last episode the the kind of the, the new normal until we get past the vaccine point of the tasting room experience. Now, I wanted you to throw some of that stuff by Chris because – It doesn't seem to me as if that's that's not what we as craft brew lovers or or patrons to a craft brewery think about when we think of, hey, you know, what we're going to go into a craft. We're going to go into a tasting room. We're going to have a couple of drinks. There's going to be a dog uh, at our foot that we don't know. Uh, We're going to be sitting at a picnic table with with two other people that we don't know. And we're just going to go up and we're just going to get a glass of beer every 45 minutes to an hour. And we're going to have three beers and then we're going to leave. Right. So your, your new normal is, is different. So describe that scenario again. for let's, Chris. Do, let's
2: go with something basic. Let's go with the glassware. And, you know, I, I can see over Zoom that Chris is drinking from a plastic cup. And I think disposable drinkware is going to be one of the first things that we see. Uh, being a craft beer person, I do believe that every beer was made to be served in a certain type of glass. It enhances the head. It enhances the color. I mean, those of us who are that nerdy, we totally understand that. Those That's gone. That's gone for a while because it should be disposable. You don't want to, you're not trusting the person to clean as maybe we, as they were in the past because we're so uber aware of germs. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to hang out at the bar where they're pouring from the taps right in front of us. Again, because if you sneeze or if you cough and you're not wearing a mask, like, where is that going on your taps? I don't think we're going to be able to be in that close proximity. I don't think we're going to be able to meet strangers who are sitting at a picnic table next to us. I think there's going to be a lot of controls in place, and as Chris said earlier, Craft beer is about bringing the community together. This goes against everything that we wanted to create as a, as a brewery owner. This is not what you envisioned. You did this because you wanted to bring people together. You wanted to be involved in your community and you're having to totally reset your mind on what that looks like in my, in my opinion.
1: So what are the challenges that are involved with that, Chris? I mean, because that goes, as she just said, it goes against everything that we are going to the brewery for.
0: Yeah, and those are uh, those are the challenges that we're uh, talking through right now. Um, you know, we're preparing to to reopen in some capacity or another, even though we don't know exactly when that would be. But we're um, we're looking at things like uh, additional uh, protection for for our uh, for our bar area. You know, do we need to have plexiglass shields uh, between us and our customers, like a you know like a drive through at the bank, you know, I mean, it's, um, it, it's tough. It's, it's really tough. I mean, is that the experience that we want to, to convey to our customers? And um, the answer is, of course, no, that's not, that's not how we want to do it. But we'll do whatever it takes to make sure that we're maintaining the levels of, uh, of safety and accountability that we that we have to in order to, uh, you know, keep our customers and our employees safe.
1: So we're um, we're coming right up on against the end of the episode. Uh two things before we wrap up. Um first, and I don't I don't have any information on this because I'm an idiot. So I'm going to let LaShell ask you Chris about the CARES Act uh and then I, I, we we'll do one last thing and then we'll we'll get out of here. So what is the CARES Act and and how does it pertain to our craft brewers?
2: So um the hospitality industry has just gotten totally fucked by what's been happening in <laughs> and this industry. And now we
1: there's just there's checked no, the explicit episode no here. Thank you.
2: There's no other way to say it. Can
1: we say there's fucked? Other... Well, it's already checked, Chris, so now we can say whatever the fuck we want.
2: <laughs> I've been holding back. I've been fucking holding back.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Lachelle.
2: Thank you. No, no problem. But it doesn't necessarily hurt – it doesn't help those of us in the hospitality industry because a lot of our employees – they work off of tips. And so they're, they're able to go on unemployment, but sometimes that unemployment was more than what they were making part-time working in our breweries behind the bar. So it's kind of a double-edged sword for this industry. Would you agree with that? Was this the CARES Act able to help you, the paycheck protection plan or are you just kind of out there on your own with your shark delivery, trying to make it work?
0: Um, both. Uh, so we, uh, we, we did apply for and receive funding, uh, through the CARES Act, the the PPP program. Um, and we are, so we've had funding for approximately one week and we're trying our best to figure out the best way to utilize that funding responsibly, uh, in a way that gives us the, the best opportunity to make it forgivable. Um, so there's, there are, um, there are some pretty tight restrictions on what makes that funding forgivable in the SBA's eyes. And the, the main, the main problem. So there's, there's a couple of main problems, but, but from the business's side, the main problem that we're facing is that you get eight weeks worth of funding. And in order for your, Loan to be forgivable. One, you have to spend seventy-five percent of it on, on on payroll, mm-hmm. which is fine. Uh, no more than twenty-five percent can be uh, spent on rent and utilities. Again, that's fine. Um, but the problem is, is that in order for it to be one hundred percent forgivable, you have to have you have to be at pre-crisis headcount mm. by June thirtieth. And the the big problem there is that. There's no way that we're going to be at an, a level of operation by June 30th to justify having the headcount that we had on, you know, February 15th or whatever the the date is that they mandate uh, that they look at as pre-crisis uh, headcount. So we get eight weeks worth of funding. We and then you know, our eight weeks of funding is going to be over before June 30th. And then when June 30th hits, I have to be at full payroll, uh, in order to be forgiven for the eight, eight weeks worth of funding. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's a real problem because I don't, I'm not going to have the business that, that, that I need on June 30th in order to support that level of payroll.
2: How do you do that in the service industry when you're not able to serve people? Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, it's not beneficial to those of us in hospitality. It's it's just not. Well,
1: and I brought up, and maybe I'm wrong. Somebody tell me if I am. Uh, I thought to myself, the plan to reopen is in stages. If we are, if we're opening up restaurants, tap rooms in this case, and you're giving me social distancing guidelines, well, then there's no way I can be at capacity. And if there's no way I can – if I'm at 25% of my capacity, why am I staffed up to 100%? I'm, I'm, a, that's a losing proposition at that point. Exactly. Right.
0: Right. No, you're you're absolutely right. So from the from the business perspective, that's one point of view. And then as Lachelle mentioned, from the employee's point of view, um, a, another part of the, the CARES Act is um, supplemented – Uh, unemployment benefits from the federal government that uh, make it more attractive to uh, take unemployment than potentially take, you know, a a small amount of hours that, you know, for eight weeks time uh, from your employer's uh, perspective. So I'm not sure you know, first of all, I think most people definitely want to work, right? Most people want to work, so they would prefer to work than be on unemployment. But um, at the same time, they have to look at, well, how long is my employment opportunity going to last? And am I going to have to am I going to have to re up unemployment in eight weeks because the the funding has run out and 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 I we still don't have an opportunity to service our customers' needs. Um, I don't want to go through that again, so I might as well just stay on unemployment. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I, you'd be silly not to at least think about that yeah. from, an, from an employee's perspective. You'd be silly not to at least think that.
2: Yeah, oh, I agree. Um, it's a very hard situation. Um, let me ask you, so as a brewery owner, for those of us who are big craft beer fans, uh, we love our craft beer. We love those breweries in our backyards, in our communities. What can we do to help? What was, do you need? What can we do? That was
1: my question, Lachelle.
2: Oh, well, get out of my
1: brain. I said two two things. You're going to ask about the CARES Act. And then in my head, I'm like, then I'm going to ask the what can we do question. Oh, and I, I just don't think I realized it.
2: that was yours. I was just thinking, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. You say it. You say
1: it. Got it. Uh, Roach, is there anything you'd like to ask me? Yeah, Chris. Uh, you know, as a craft beer lover, what, what can we do to help uh, our local breweries during this time? God, I stated that well. You
0: did. What an amazing question, and I, I can't thank you enough for asking it. Came out of left um, field
1: too, didn't it? You didn't even realize oh, it was coming.
0: I was totally unprepared for this. Uh, so, first and foremost, uh, certainly we'd we'd love for you to uh, check out. Uh take it take home. Oh my gosh, I'm butchering it, even though you gave me the opportunity. We have to twice. Um, <laughs> we'd love for you to check out oldoxbrewery.com and, and and take a look at the opportunities you have to do curbside pickup and home delivery. And uh even if old ox isn't your favorite beer, um we'd love for you to give uh other breweries wineries, restaurants, uh, all locally owned opportunities, uh, to, uh, provide you with curbside or, or, or uh, home delivery, uh, to your, uh, to your abode. So, um, from, from our perspective, uh, you know, keep shopping local, keep, uh, even if you're not coming to old ox, uh, if you're, if you're in the grocery store, God help you, uh, you know, uh, pick up some, some old ox beer. Uh, and then if it's not Old Ox, please, please, please support other uh, local establishments, restaurants, breweries, wineries.
1: And if you are getting and uh, your, your delivery or curbside pickup, you know, we went over the list of what Old Ox is offering. And I'm sure other breweries, maybe not to the extent of what Old Ox is offering. But if they're giving you a couple of add-ons, listen, if it's 10 extra bucks and you get the shotgun of beer with Chris, yes, it's fun. So – 10 bucks that still that still helps out the local business and you have a you have a chuckle as well and and as chris said and i think to me that's the big takeaway is the community aspect of the local business of the letting your neighbors see the kind of show that you're getting put on the baby shark all of that is just getting us back to that connection that we are losing by being sequestered in our homes and for ten bucks, if I could have a chuckle or I can watch my neighbor uh do something that's well worth it to me.
0: well said, Roach. Thank well you said.
1: now um, this stinks because when Chris and I talked at the end of February, I said we've got to get you on head retention because Chris tried to drink his way around Epcot Center, and I tried to drink my way around Epcot Center." And I was like, we've got to do an episode where we talk about it. And then all of this shit happened. And now we yeah. have to talk about CARES Act and 75% and businesses and 25 and unemployment. And it sucks. And I hate it. And all I want to do, Chris, is talk to you about drinking my way around Epcot.
0: Roach, I have photographic evidence that proves I made it all the way around the world in Epcot in February. I remember at least half of it, and it, we, we had a great time. It was, uh, it was amazing. From what I recall, it was amazing.
1: That's the teaser, because the point is, that's what this show should be about, are these fun craft beer drinking experiences. We're doing what we can now during COVID-19, and hopefully, Chris, you'll come back, and we will, uh, we'll compare notes on trying to drink our way around Epcot, because that's what the craft beer experience is all about, Chris.
0: I would love nothing more. You uh, you let me know when you have time, and uh, and I will be here.
1: All right. And, Lachelle, that gives you some time to book a trip to Disney World and drink I've your already, way.
2: I've already done that twice. Oh,
1: okay. So this is perfect.
2: All right. So there yeah, you go. Probably on the same day. I know, Lachelle. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> yeah, she, you know what?
1: Lachelle probably went, I'll, take a, I'll do another lap. Let's do another lap around Epcot. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Burns,
2: Chris, thank you so much. Old Ox
1: Brewery, thank you so much. We really appreciate it.
0: Cheers, guys. Love you. Stay safe. Stay well. Heading out already? Well, make sure you follow us on social at head underscore retention so you don't miss any new releases.